Okay, welcome to a very special edition of Campfire Stories uh, with uh, all of our guests. Uh, we have our co-host, Stacy, um, and we are just extremely excited to be um, airing this podcast today with all of our guests over the past year uh, that have joined us on this journey. So we are excited to, to bring the ones that we're able to attend, um, and let's jump right in. So who do we got? So um, going through the list, we have Becca Miller. Hey, uh, this is Becca Miller, and I'm so happy to be here. Almost wasn't. Was driving like a bat out of hell to get get to the call. So happy to see everybody. So we're so glad you're here. Uh, next up is Benjamin Bratcher. Hey, everyone. This is Benjamin. I'm happy to be here again. It's been great talking with all of you, and I look forward to the continued conversation. Cool. Uh, Ms. Cheryl Feldman. Hi, it's Cheryl Feldman, Stacey and Justice. Thank you for having me back. I really enjoyed being on your podcast, and thank you for making me a part of it. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, Eric Dressfield. Well, hello, everybody. Happy to be here again and again and again, depending on how many times we tried to start the recording unsuccessfully. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so for those listening, this is not the first time we've done this. Um, this is our second time gathering. And even tonight, this is the time that we've hit the record button. So, um, <laughs> so I kind of snicker whenever, you know, Cheryl says her hello because she's, you know, very graciously thanked us every single time <laughs> that we've been on. So um, anyway. Um, and, and one other of your guests has been pretty much a smart aleck every single time. Oh, no, Possibly me. So we do have a couple more people here. We have Lyndon Johnson. Can you guys hear me now? Yes, we can hear you. Oh, Lord. I'm, I'm not sure what's happening, but I'm happy to be here again through all the technical difficulties that we're having. <laughs> <laughs> it's just good to be among friends. Well, you know, we I hear you much better today. <laughs> you know, our episodes are very frequently talking about things that we've overcome as part of our Salesforce journey, and so this whole podcast is about overcoming technical issues. Um, so, um, so next up is Mr. Nick Charles. Hello, everybody. What's going on? <laughs> Just another trip down memory lane. It's good to see everybody. <laughs> Nick has the biggest smile like all the time. It's awesome. Uh, okay, last but not least, Vanessa Villa Gomez. Hey everyone. Um for the second time, I'm very happy to be here and <laughs> for the second time these people are so amazing. Um so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are also super patient, and so we uh, really, really do appreciate your patience. And, um, you know, it's just been great. So I mean, this has been an incredible year for uh, for Justice and I, doing this podcast, getting to meet with all of you. And then, of course, those, uh, you know, James Chin, Steph Rhodes, um, at Rachel Park that weren't able to join us tonight. So we appreciate all of you guys taking time out of your schedule multiple times to join us. 
Um, it is so satisfying to, of course, to get to hear your story, but then also to get to hear the stories of others in the community that are affected um, by and inspired and encouraged by hearing what you guys have to say. So um, it's, this has been an incredible journey. One year we've been doing this now, um, inspired by, you know, just conversation Justin, Justice and I had in 2017, um, and here we are in 2019, and, um, and it's a reality. So it's just, it's really cool to see. Um, Justice, I don't know if you have any numbers or if you recall the last time we looked, like, but um, this podcast has been way more popular than, uh, than I ever thought. I mean, we just did this for us. Yeah. Stories. I like to talk. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been amazing, guys. I mean, it really has. I mean, when we first started off the podcast, I mean, as, as most ideas are formed, you're kind of like, this is what it's going to look like. This is going to be the cadence. And it just kind of got to a point where we were just like kind of going with the flow. And, you know, Stacy would reach out at times. I would reach out at times and just say, this is going to be the next person we interview um, or this is going to be the next person we interview. And then we interview that person, share it. And the amount of love uh, that we've received in return in terms of folks just downloading the episodes or just listening or quoting or reaching out and saying, this episode is inspiring for whatever reasons. Or, you know, Nick Charles shared his uh, Pivot 99 initiative uh, on our podcast. I think it was initially announced on that uh, on our podcast. But, I mean, it was an idea he had been playing with for some time. And, and that whole journey was like 99 days. Every single day he would be posting on LinkedIn and Twitter, and to be able to track that was kind of cool. And then even Rachel's story from going from um, being a breast cancer survivor and her sharing on the podcast, um, losing her admin cert, now regaining her admin cert and becoming a you know trailblazer golden hoodie. It's just it's been it's just been a great year overall. So I, I echo everything Stacy has said and. It, I mean, literally, we wouldn't. It wouldn't be what it is without you guys. So, anyways, I am off my soapbox, Stacey. You can check in. <laughs> so, um, while you were but, talking yeah. and sharing that, I did look up, and we've had over two thousand um, episode downloads over the course of the year, oh, which, is, which is incredible. So, that's amazing. Thank you to all of our listeners. You guys are fantastic. So, and. Dresh, I think you saw the tweet today. Um, you know, I, I was trying to be sly and show that um, my request, <laughs> because our listeners have asked for this. Stickers. Um, we do have campfire stories. And a stickers. mug, apparently. Somebody has a mug, too. Mm-hmm. The mug is cool. The mug is cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it, I is, it is a pretty cool mug. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure. Mug. I'm not sure we all got a mug. I really like one, <laughs> <laughs> so I can have my coffee in at work. Maybe you'll need, you need to start need... A, a store like the gift squad. I mean, you're already in a gift squad. You can sell mugs in the store for charity. Just like yeah. That. Yeah. No, we could we could definitely make something. So you know, Stacy and I are a part of this gift squad, and and the original like basis of the gift squad coming together was about, um, you know, focusing in on charity and charitable giving and that sort of thing around intentional branding. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure we could do something around that space. 
No pressure. Right? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, we've got the website and we've, uh, you know, giftsquad.com, uh, right? And so it's the gift squad for good was the hashtag we were doing for using for a while. And so we've got the store set up. Um, and then each, you know, we've got T-shirts um, from, you know, my favorite, the one that I have is um, – a from Universal Containers Company Retreat. Yeah, uh, you know, which <laughs> which is fun. Those who've done Trailhead or the earlier workbooks or anything, you know, Universal Containers and their widgets are a part of many of the you know learning, uh, you know, journeys on there. So um, here we talk about uh, we send our proceeds from any of the shirts that we sell. We send the proceeds to uh, support a different charity. Um, and this year. I think we had talked about um, contributing it towards, uh, you know, an anti-bullying um, uh, charity just to help because that's such a, an issue. And many of uh, the children uh, or friends or family of people in the gift squad have directly dealt with, uh, you know, bullying in school or cyberbullying or, you know, it comes in many different forms. So that's a great idea, Becca. I appreciate that. We'll definitely look into doing that. It's amazing. It's amazing how, um, with with how connected we are, it people are just using it for um, using the internet for stuff as bad as that. It's like bullying people. Like how, it's it's sad, and that's a great cause that um, you guys would be donating to because it's it's something that we need to get out of. But there's always um, there's always the, those few persons. Who decide that you know they just want to sit behind a screen and I mean we see very often too just like what we hope to be like regular discussions or posts we see people just you know going off behind their keyboards and calling people's all these type of names and so on and it's it's just sad that that's what we're using the internet for yeah, yeah. no I, I couldn't agree I couldn't agree more with you Linda yeah, I mean, I think it's like with anything, whether it's, uh, you know, the Internet or technology or power or food or anything, you know, you can use it for, uh, you know, for bad or you can use it for good. And so there will always be people that choose the, the worst path. They choose to do harm to others or to themselves. But, uh, you know, for, for me, for us, we're choosing to do good. And so, you know, the more light that we can put out there, um, you know, to, that's the only way that you overcome the negativity and the hate and the, the darkness, right? Well, yeah, I, you bring up a good point, Stacy. It's like, <clears throat> it's one of those things where one of the things that's really attractive about this community, what makes it so special is that's, that kind of thought process is really internalized. Like, we thrive so much when we help each other and we're trying to help each other reach a goal. And there's, I haven't seen, I've never once had interaction with anyone within this community that's been negative in that regard. And if it does happen, I wouldn't even have to say anything because I know a whole community of thousands of people that would probably be like, Oh, take it easy. You know, <laughs> um, that's just, that's just how it is. And it, it, it's so special to be a part of that. And I think that that spreads a lot faster than, than the other, the other side of it. So, you know, this is awesome. Great topic. Yeah, I actually no, did actually, have an incident, a... um, Justice, and I think you were actually even a part of it uh, a few oh, months yeah. ago. Someone uh, had a, a, a post on Twitter, uh, or they commented on one of my Twitter's tweets, 
and um, one of my Twitters. Oh my goodness, y'all! And uh, <laughs> they so they commented on something that I had uh, posted, and they were not the most respectful in the manner in which they approached the conversation. And there was like this immediate flood of people in the Ohana that were like reminding him of a better way to address people. And so it was, it was pretty cool to see everyone kind of rallying around. It's like the good version of like the Wizard of Oz monkeys, you know, how like they turn people. (laughs) (laughs) These monkeys come put the scarecrow together. They're like, we got you, we got you, we got you. (laughs) That's a pretty good image there, Nick. That was funny. I'm good for one, man. I'm good for one. I say that that's like the this episode version of the turtle on the fence post, right? Exactly. Oh, Stacy, you knew I was going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so let me. So, as Nick was teeing up that story, I remember muting and thinking to myself, "Where is this going?" And he drove it home. So, but you know, Nick's full of those uh, interesting analogies. Your trigger finger um, so yeah. recording button. You were like, "Well, here it comes." <laughs> right here it comes. No, it was good. Um, but no, I I I, uh, I agree with that sentiment. In fact, uh, r- really quick pivoting, Stacy. Stacy, when you said uh, multiple twitters as an accident, I actually thought of Eric because this man I has knew a you were say that. Twitter account. <laughs> I, I knew that was coming from somebody. And, and I almost yeah, I no. right in and said, well, you're talking about me now with multiple Twitters. <laughs> I, I think Justice had to teach me how to do it. I was like, uh, can you actually see both on your phone? Oh, I think you did. That's oh, yeah. me through it. <laughs> I have six yeah, on my phone that right. I can see. Oh, my gosh. You know, I've seen you post wow, and say, six? oh, darn it, wrong account. Now I know why. Yeah, and sometimes no, I just leave them up with the wrong account and, and make fun of myself for it. But other times I'll take it down and, and put it up on the right one. Kind of depends on the context. Let me tell you guys what's really funny about multi, uh, managing multiple Twitter accounts. So Stacy today primarily op, uh, manages our, our Campfire Stories Twitter handle. There's nothing more entertaining than me than when I see a tweet from Stacy and then get a notification that Campfire Stories responded to Stacy's tweet <laughs> because I'm knowing it was it was obviously Stacy that did it, right? So it's just unbelievably hilarious uh, to hey, me. So, I, but I get it. I mean, I mean, with Salesforce Saturdays here in Minnesota and then my personal Twitter, and, yeah, I get it, but it's just funny. <laughs> yeah, my, my social clout would certainly not be nearly as high as it was if I wasn't managing the Midwest Dream and Twitter handle as well and retweeting myself and, and commenting on my own post. <laughs> Kind <laughs> of like gaming song, assistant. The I'm awesome song. You yeah, exactly. That that, you talk to yourself on your Facebook wall. Uh, yeah, exactly. Guys, this uh, is of a really good story. <laughs> so it's around the topic. So I'm doing some like user testing at my org, right? And I'm logged in as one of the users. I'm in there doing something. So I'm going to a chatter group. And I'm just not even thinking, and I'm like, I post something that is in my verbiage that would only be something that a product owner or someone who has any knowledge about Salesforce would say, super technical. But I was logged in as a user who is, like, known for not really ever, you know, logging in and having other issues. And it was, like, this real comprehensive, like, technically sounding post. And I hit submit. I'm just sitting there. And I get a notification in my email because I'm following every post. It's bing. And 
and it says so and so posted the following, and it says the little blurb. And I was just like, oh no! Like, no, 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 they didn't. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. I'm, but see, they were so like not there yet that I didn't even realize that it happened, so it turned out okay. So it was good. Mm. <laughs> That's funny. I've done that in the Trailblazer community. Like as a consultant, I'm frequently logged into a variety of different orgs, you know, whatever customers I'm working with at the time. And so I will be logged in as the, you know, the admin for one of my customers and will post in the Trailblazer community instead of as like me with my company and uh, like, oh, dang it. And it just stinks because you're like, we have to spend all that time writing that out. And, you know, yeah. I mean, you could copy and paste, but you got to still do your app mentions and links and, you know, hashtags and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, so I feel like you're paying. Yeah, I, I probably have like 10 uh, different Trailblazer uh, community profiles just because I keep accidentally signing in with like a sandbox or a dev org or something like that. Only then, 10? You, you know, need to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking something very similar to that, Cheryl. <laughs> I think I must have I mean, like wrong. 100. <laughs> I don't even know. Like we have, so we have multiple orgs at my company and I've worked with other companies and I have like multiple dev orgs. Sometimes I get like a random like email, like to maybe my work email or like some random personal email. I have like a different, like different Gmails for like, I have one that I keep just for community stuff, like one for personal stuff, like one for other personal family stuff. Sometimes I get like a random, cause I signed up for like a dev org and somebody somehow mentions that in the Trailblazer community or adds me to a group. I'm like, that's the wrong one. Definitely the wrong one. Yeah, Go I feel like there should be a better way to manage that. You get there, Benjamin. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've only been doing this for, like, less than two years, so I'm not worried. <laughs> yeah, but that feeling when you accidentally, like, you're not thinking about who you're logged in as and you go into the community, and then it gives you that window of, welcome to the Trailblazer community. And you're like, oh, oh. I, you know what, funny story about that. So I have my trailhead account where I have all my badges. I've gone through three, like, you know, I've changed companies over the, over the last several years. And by the way, this is a mistake. So if you're going to create a trailhead profile, I don't know what your guys' preferences are. Don't use your company profile. Um, that's what I did. But I had Leah McGowan hair merge my profiles one time so that I could have access to my trailhead badges, you know, and, and maintain that status. But there's nothing more frustrating than when I log into Trailhead and basically get the, you know, this is not the right account or it creates a new account and my Trailhead account isn't linked. And, yeah, anyways. Or the, or the, six, the six, seven emails that come in a week from um, uh, the Trailblazer community based on six, seven different profiles that would have been created. But, anyways, uh, let, me get, let, me get off my, uh, let me get off my negative, negative Betty high horse here. Um, Dresh, I know, Dresh, uh, I feel like you should be sharing, uh, some exciting news regarding one Chris Landy. Oh, yeah, just a, just a little, little thing, you know, she's one of our keynote speakers at Midwest Dreaming this year. That's huge all, deal. no big deal. Huge, huge deal. <laughs> um, yeah, we no, have so two I, other I, amazing I, keynote speakers that we have not yet announced, uh, I will preview, well, maybe we sort of leaked them a long time ago, but I'll preview those two, that they are both women as well. 
So three well, three rock star women for keynote speakers at Midwest Dreaming. Um, and now I'm going to do the hashtag shameless plug uh, since I have the virtual floor for a second. Uh, August 7th through the 9th in Chicago at the Palmer House Hotel. Uh, call for speakers and registration are both likely to open up about March 1st. So get your thinking caps on. Uh, if you're out there and you're an ISV or a consulting partner and you're looking to sponsor a community-led event, we are also doing that. Uh, we'll take sponsors up to, like, the week of the event. Um, we did that last year. We added a sponsor right before the event. Um, so, yeah, hit me up, uh, Eric Dresch on Twitter or Midwest underscore Dreamin on Twitter or the Trailblazer community or whatever. And the, the chat window here is chiming away now. Everybody wants me to, to divulge the other two keynote speakers live here on the podcast. Absolutely. Do <laughs> um, it. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> maybe, maybe just one. Peer pressure, peer pressure. Peer pressure, right? Just a little one. Drop the first. Well, you know what? You can at least give a hint that we can at least share. Yeah, exactly. Or or give one at least. (laughs) Okay, so we'll 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 do a hint. Um, One of the other two amazing women keynote speakers at Midwest Dreamin regularly appears on a podcast. Oh. oh, oh. Do they work for Salesforce? Possibly. That was my first thought. Great question. But maybe <laughs> not. Yeah. Like an admin podcast? Exactly. It's got to be Jillian. It's got to be Jillian. It's got to be Jillian. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm putting my bid in for Jillian. Yep, me too. Yeah, so she did our yeah, closing I'm putting my bid in for year. Jillian. We did our closing keynote yeah, last year at Texas Dreaming. It was good. Jillian's a heavy hitter. Okay, so so since Becca just said she did our closing keynote last year at Texas Dreaming, I I will spill the beans on this one because right after that closing keynote at Texas Dreaming, I walked up to Jillian and I said, I yes. want you to keynote Midwest Dreaming. Yes. And she said, when is it? Send me an email and I'll be there. So we've had her locked down yes. since Texas Dreaming last year. So they're now – now the world knows Jillian is one of our Woo-hoo. keynote speakers. Now the third one wow. I'm going to keep quiet for a while. Um, oh, you heard it here first at the <laughs> Campfire Stories exclusive. You That's heard it exciting. here first. So now I should be dropping the be virtual a- mic, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, Eric's going to be in Minneapolis here pretty soon, and I'm going to finagle the third one out of him. So you guys don't need to worry about that. I'll get the third one. I don't know. It depends how cold it is. When it gets really cold, I don't talk. Uh, oh, no, that's, that's amazing. So can you give us maybe – so Midwest Dreaming has been uh, – so give us some context. So the first year um, that Midwest Dreaming kind of came about, how you selected the speakers, what was your strategy, and then how has that evolved to where we're at today? And maybe is there intentional reasoning around the speakers, or is it yeah. – so, yeah. so the first year of Midwest Dreamin' was actually 2011, and I did not have a keynote speaker that year. Uh, I just kicked things off myself, did a little bit of a welcome, and, and told people the lay of the land, and everybody went off to breakout sessions and, and did their thing. Um, when Midwest Dreamin' kind of hit mainstream is when we brought it back to life in 2014, and 
when I knew I wanted to to bring it back and start it up again and had some help from some other awesome community group leaders around the Midwest, my mind went, I need a keynote speaker who's going to draw lots of people. I want a big crowd. I want a keynote speaker who I know people are going to be excited to see. So I sent a direct message on Twitter to Mr. Peter Coffey and said, do you ever present at user group type events? And Peter's response back was, how many people do you expect? And I said, well, 400 maybe. And, and three years earlier in 2013 or 2011, we had 100 people show up at Midwest Dream. And so I told Peter probably 400. And Peter's response was, and I can remember this very clearly, he said, if you can tell me right now your budget will cover my hotel and my airfare so I don't have to go to Mark and say, I'm going to this community event thing in Chicago, I'll tell you yes right now. And without blinking an eye, without looking up how much airfare was from Los Angeles to Chicago or any of that stuff, I just wrote Peter back and said, done. And Peter's response was, I'm your keynote speaker. Thanks very much. Let's talk about it when it gets closer to the event. And that was it. And he's never asked for a dime since. None of the keynote speakers, any of our, our Salesforce employees that have spoken at the event, nobody's asked for anything other than the opportunity to speak since that one episode. Um, so I was more than willing to make a small investment back then to bring Peter to speak. And he, of course, as anybody who's been at the event since then realizes Peter has been a big part of the event every year since he first started in 2014. So I'm not sure what he's going to do for us yet in 2019. It's a conversation he and I haven't had yet. So we, I'm hoping he's willing to do something. Peter, if you're listening, watch for an email soon. Um, so who knows? We'll see where that goes. I feel like Peter has to be there just for historic reasons. Yeah. I, like yeah, I mean, it's kind of a tradition, there, right? You know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think if you get Peter coffee, your hotel is going to be bursting at the seams with people <laughs> sold out. Oh, that would be okay. That would be a good problem to have. You know, if you if you talk to Justice for more than about five minutes, he's going to tell you this is the year Midwest Raymond hits a thousand this is people. The year, a thousand. And, and what this did I tell you last time, Justice, that you said that to me? I said a thousand would be pretty cool and pretty scary. So you I don't did. know. Yeah. I, I do we, remember that. We came really close to 800 in 2016, and that's been our biggest year so far. So who knows? A thousand would be pretty interesting. I think it would be cool, cool to see that many. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just. Okay, shameless plug for me now. I'm just a huge fan of Men Who Was Dreaming, uh, just because it was, from what I understand, one of the first community-led Salesforce conferences. And depending upon the company you work for, not all of us get the opportunity to go to Dreamforce or we have a lot of challenging conversations that lead to it ultimately being a no. So the fact that uh, Eric was able to put this together kind of as an idea, or at least take the initiative. Other folks might have had ideas to, to put a community-led conference, and then to see subsequently all the, you know, Toronto North Dreaming is having a conference now, Southeast Dreaming has had a conference, Texas there's just so many uh, community-led conferences that, ultimately started from uh, Midwest Dreaming. It's just an exciting thing. And for a lot of folks that don't know that are listening, this was like the first speaking engagement both Stacy and I had was at Midwest Dreaming. So it, it inspires a lot of even experienced admins and developers 
um, in the ecosystem. So I'm just I'm just a huge fan. So uh, Eric doesn't take me on the side to, to for the shameless plug, but I I'm just a huge fan. So anyway. <laughs> I, had, I personally had a great time at West Streaming um, when I was I was there. I want to say 2016. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure it's 2016. Um, I ha- I thought it was one really really great event. I was really impressed that it was put on by the community and you know it's for the community by the community. So you can really feel that. And I think if folks haven't been, even if you're not from the Midwest, like I'm not from the Midwest, I'm from New York City. Um, and I happened to be in Chicago for another event and I ended up attending Midwest Streaming. And um, it was probably, I think it's, I've only been to, I think one or two other other community events. I don't have a ton to judge it by besides user groups. And, but I mean, I thought it was extremely, extremely well put together. And it felt like how, if I was gonna design like a world tour, like how everything that I'd want in a world tour, like without any of the fluff that nobody cares about. <laughs> yeah. So, so geographically speaking, Midwest Raymond has had attendees come from 36 states across the U.S. as well as five different countries as far away as India and Australia. Wow. So the Midwest is a pretty vague definition, I suppose. <laughs> So, Carol, what's really I guess funny, too, is... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Jess. Go, 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 go. I was just going to say, what's really funny, and, and you can jump right in at Stacey, is there's an ongoing thing on Twitter, which is actually a thing where people are, like, fighting to see who registers first to Midwest Dreaming. Yes, it's, definitely. It's really entertaining. That's hilarious. Anyways, yeah, well, I'll be first this year, but go ahead, Stacey. So, um, no, I was just going to, you know, say, Cheryl, you've got an event uh, near you now, um, the Northeast Dreamin', which last year was their first year, and mm-hmm. I understand that they had several hundred people, um, so, which was fantastic for it to be the uh, inaugural year, and they're planning to you know, do again this year. I think it's a fall meetup. So, um, so there is a community-led event pretty close to you now as well. Yeah, I didn't unfortunately get a chance to go, but from what I saw, it looked amazing. I unfortunately was one of my cousins got married like that weekend, and it was just like way too much for me to go up to. I think they had it in Rhode Island, New Hampshire. Yeah, it was in Manchester, New Hampshire. Manchester, New Hampshire. (laughs) um, I just, um, it just wasn't going to be feasible for me to be back in time for the wedding and all the things that go around it, but it looked amazing. And if I didn't have that conflict, I definitely would have. Yeah, and I believe Stacy that the 2019 dates for for Northeast Dreamin mm-hmm. are like the middle of September, like the 15th or 16th, somewhere right. around there. Right. Yeah, because Dreamforce was in is in November. Okay. So they kind of like swapped. Right. September November. So, but uh, you know, Midwest Dreamin is incredible, and it will always be special. My first speaking uh, engagement in the Salesforce community, but. Let's not, uh, you know, shy away from the other events out there. So I am, um, as of a week ago now, uh, on the team helping to plan and promote Southeast Dreamin', which is in Atlanta in March. Um, Really excited about that. We've got our speakers uh, up. We don't have our keynotes announced yet, but something that we're doing new this year is we're also including um, the hands-on training. So we've got the HOTS, which is I'm really excited about. 
Um, but we also have Becca. You are on the committee, the team that puts together Texas Dreamin'. So, um, so I am Dreamin' connections here on the call. Yeah, and ours is June 13th and 14th in 2019. It's our third year, um, and we are going to be at the AT&T Executive Education and Conference Center, that's a mouthful, in Austin again. Um, and I think on the last, I think on the, the first recording of this, I was saying that um, I've been trying to get them to do it in San Antonio. So I think mm -hmm. I was telling Nick I want to do it in San Antonio. Um, so I think it would be cool with the River Walk and Alamo, but you know we have baths in Austin, so there's there's that. Got <laughs> so. down here, baby. Woo <laughs> yeah. And for any marketers yeah. that are also going to Connections, which is um, back up in Chicago, it's right after Texas Dreamin'. So Lisa and I are going to caravan road trip, right? It'll be so fun. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So, what other events are you guys um, going to, like community or Salesforce? Like, what what are the ones that you're going to this year? Or looking forward to ones that I should check out, maybe. Well, I will be at Southeast Dreaming. Um, that? I that is March 21st and 22nd. Is that right, Stacy? So, mm -hmm. I, I've been working on a session that I was going to submit to Witness Success, which is not until like July. And when I saw the tweet come out from Southeastream and that session submissions closed today, if this was a while ago, I had already submitted two sessions to Southeastream and I thought, okay, I've got the abstract nailed down on this session I want for witness success. Let's just submit it to Southeastream and see what happens. Well, that's the session that got selected. The one that I still have to build the entire session except for this, the abstract. So now I have a really tight window of time to build it out. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be a pretty amazing uh, session. It, I'm working on a couple of, of ideas to make part of it very interactive. Um, and the only other little detail that I will share about that one is that uh, I'm I am getting a lot of guidance and advice from uh, James Laduca, who is part of the equality team. And he's actually a keynote speaker or one of the keynote speakers at Witness Success. He'll be speaking during the Allies Dinner at Witness Success. So there's a clue as to what my talk will be about at Southeast Streaming. That's awesome. You know, one thing that I'm super excited about that's not really event related is the idea. I'm actually looking at it because this is what I was going to uh, work on over the next couple of days to kind of think about things is the idea exchange prioritization that just came out that um, you have until February 3rd to help prioritize Salesforce oh. features for the winter 20 release. This is like the first time we really can like say these are the things that I want of like and it's obviously like a, a defined list and they give you a whole guide so I've been like reading through this whole thing but I suggest anybody who's listening to this um oh. it just goes live before it looks like I think it's um available until February 3rd um you're able to prioritize feedback there is a whole group on the trailblazer community called idea exchange reimagined um and it's just I think like this is one of that my favorite things I've ever seen um, Salesforce do as far as engaging with 
um, the community as far as around product. I mean, I think we've always engaged as product managers, but here is our voice as a collective whole on what's actually coming rather than individual conversations happening with, you know, people at user groups or events or, you know, when, when you're with a customer and, you know, you're, you're talking to, to products based on what your needs are as a customer. So I think this is a, a really interesting, fun, cool take on things. And I, I really hope that they keep doing this, like, every single release, because I think it's such a powerful thing for those of us who are active and are doing things in our orgs um, to be able to help Salesforce prioritize their roadmap and give us, maybe even give us some ponies, as Shauna Wolverton would say, um, that we haven't had before. So that's really exciting. Yeah, so that's, that's exciting, Cheryl. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say so that's that's what I'm like I'm just like super excited about it. Like I was really I really I just been so busy. I had a big release going on at work, so I've been so busy the past couple of weeks. So I like had on my list of things to do. So I started looking at it earlier and I'm like, wow, this is really powerful and I just I actually rewatched the true to the course session um the other day just to kind of re kind of rethink everything that they're thinking to kind of put myself in the right mindset. And I also want to give that like a plug, like those are two plugs. If I could give anything that I think people should really look at, rewatch or watch the true to the core session from June Force 18, if you did not um, attend, or maybe you, you know, it's been a couple months and just a, a refresher, it's just a fantastic session. It was probably my, probably my, it's probably tied with a couple other sessions for like top session, but that is definitely up there in like top three. And then just this idea that they're, you know, really doing this and really giving us a way to say these, this is the thing that we want um, collectively, I think is, is so powerful and something that I've, I know me being, I've been a customer for 15 years now, like something that I've always wanted. No, that's, that's exciting, uh, Cheryl. In fact, I first came to hear about this whole idea or, or, or event as you explained it from Steve Mullis is a part of this is that correct so I think there's a group of people that volunteered their time to kind of give back like feedback that's what it was. you know yeah so Steve Steve uh Steve Mull had made this post I think it was actually an idea to get product managers to actually respond to ideas because I think collectively as a community we can agree that it's very frustrating when you see an idea that has 10,000 20,000 votes on it um, and it's been sitting there for like nine years, 10 years. And you, you feel like nobody's listening to you or will they do you get product managers say, we're not delivering it, well, why? There's this many votes on it, why aren't you delivering it? This is clearly what your customers who pay you money that pays your salary and you're not <laughs> delivering, right? So, and I think that's where a lot of the, the frustration was coming from. And, and I think that both I don't know if it was a blog post or an idea. He it may have been an idea he created, actually, which I thought was pretty funny. And that yeah, it was an sparked, idea. Yeah, that's told it me. sparked the whole conversation. And Alex Sutherland went. Um, I think Scott Lucar. I think I'm probably butchering his last name. And then um, I think that's there, right. Oh, Jer Jeremiah Doan. I don't think who else was there mm. that I know of. There was a couple other people that I know of that were there, but it was. Um, and I think that this is something that I am so passionate about and have been passionate about for a long time. And um, him and I met, like became friends on the idea exchange over a decade ago. 
So like <laughs> that, the idea exchange, I think, and what they're doing with it is just, I think, one of the most powerful things that Salesforce is going to do. And I think it's just also smart business for them because if they can solve this problem, this is a sellable product because every company has this problem. They need to listen to their customers and prioritize feedback, right? So if they can figure out mm-hmm. how to do it in a way that scales, they can sell that. So it's very smart. Yeah. So Benjamin, you dropped the link for that chatter group into um, our chat here. And I'll try to include it uh, when we post this episode to iTunes so that our listeners can get it as well. Of course, they can go and search uh, in the Trailblazer community as well. But Benjamin, um, you found that link really fast. Are you part of this group? Are you part of the initiative? I am as of like 30 seconds ago. <laughs> so thanks, Cheryl. I actually had no idea. I had heard about it. Um, I didn't get to attend the session, but I had heard about it um, after the fact. And uh, But I didn't know that it was actually happening already so quickly. So I'm going to check that out as soon as possible as well. But yeah, I just uh, searched Idea Exchange Reimagined, uh, Idea Exchange, one word, in the Trailblazer community, and it popped up. I just I just also put the link to the to the core session that you can share. Um, I actually have those bookmarked, and when there's a couple of sessions I always save from various years on YouTube that, like, when I'm having a bad day, I rewatch these. I will literally rewatch this session and that video that plays at the beginning with the mean tweets. Well, I don't want to give it away if you haven't seen it. I will literally rewatch it every single time because I think it's hilarious. So. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm sure there's people that do that with your episode of our podcast as well, Cheryl. <laughs> All so, um, you yeah, know, we so- have not heard much from Lyndon and Vanessa. Um, you guys have been really quiet. So what do you guys have uh, on the agenda for this year? Do you have community events or, um, you know, things that you're looking forward to? Uh well yeah I need to start reading my release notes for spring 2019 <laughs> to see what's com- what's coming up and um even though I'm I'm still on classic but I still need to know what's what's happening and what's coming so what? that's you're on classic yeah. Benjamin yeah, it's, you're it's a long story champion. can you help him out <laughs> it's it's a yeah, long story man, you need to you need to switch to lightning it's it's definitely not as difficult and daunting as it may seem. There's also well, a ton of resources. We're here to help I, you. And I will Linda, I'm also on Classic, so don't feel too bad. I'm also oh, on Classic, so don't feel too bad. Aw, oh, come on. This, this I will tap into the resources. Don't worry. <laughs> so. So, so quick funny story for you guys. Anytime I need help, by the way, the Twitter community is phenomenal in terms of being able to respond and say, do this or try this or whatever. But Bill Powell, Salesforce MVP, also a member of the Gift Squad, is a huge lightning advocate, much like yourself, Benjamin. And anytime I need help on something and I want to, and I can share a screenshot that doesn't, you know, possess any privileged data, I'll always toggle back to lightning, take the picture, then post it on Twitter when I've been doing everything in classic. Because I know if I post it in classic, I won't I'm not, I'm not gonna hear the end of it from Bill. So but anyway, uh Linda. Hey, What's Justice, that? you can just post that picture on your MySpace page next time. 
largest financial services companies in the world and I'm on lightning. We're wall-to-wall lightning. If we can do it in large enterprise financial services and a massive bank, possible. It's so much better. I, I dug in my heels oh, and yeah. didn't want to switch and I liked the way Classic looked. What? So um, now I'm on lightning and I love it. I, and when I have to go back to Classic, I'm like, oh, dang it. Yeah, so I let me, feel like let me I've ask you guys everything. something. Like, let me ask you guys something. Like, legitimately now. So, obviously, the the fear of transitioning from classic to lightning isn't a a, a shot at the the innate features or flow of things in lightning. But from the user experience as an admin, as an experienced admin, do you guys see a learning curve with being able to navigate the system? And it's taking much more time rather than if you were in classic, it'd be two, three clicks, get to your workflow rules, do what you need to do, versus, oh, it's lightning, the UI is different, how do I get to where I need to get to? Like, oh. what did that transition look like for you guys? In the beginning. I think it's Go ahead, Cheryl, sorry. Oh, no, but I was going to say in the beginning. So I, what I did is I, so the last company I was with, speaking of large enterprise financial services, where I've worked pretty much my whole career, but last company I was with really just did not want to want to move. They put their feet in the ground and I decided, well, I'm going to go find another job. Don't want to do lightning, right? So um, I remember I first day I was like, yeah, I know lightning. I have all these trailhead badges. And I was like, what is this? So I would say like the first like couple of weeks, I found myself switching back to classics. Um, to do not so much like on like the data, but more on the configuration side. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, where the heck are my objects? Like, where's my things? Like, <laughs> where do I find anything? And I think, but once exactly. I got past, past that, I think just the object manager is so much better. Just finding things is better. There's a couple of things I do find myself like user management, logging in as other users. I'm always going back to plastic because I just generally have had a lot of challenges. We have thousands upon thousands of users. So, you know, sometimes finding users and landing, I've had a, a couple of, I have some like cases open right now and, um, just logging in as other users. I know I posted something in the in the Lightning Now group, which like blew up because I was like, is this just me where I get all these error messages and you're trying to log in as another user? But I would say for the most part, like now that I've been on Lightning full time for three months, um, like for me personally, I've gotten a lot more used to it. And just the amount of functionality I can deliver to my end users without having to do it, and don't get me wrong, we do a lot of code because we are, you know, building stuff in components and calling stuff from other systems, but I think um, we're able to build them in a way that's reusable, and I can just, they, you know, developers can build them, and I can throw them where I want, so. Yeah, Justin, Justice, I think it'll be similar to when you move from PC to Mac, like, there is a learning curve, mm-hmm. there's an adjustment period, but it's so intuitive, mm-hmm. and you'll pick it up fast, and then you'll not ever want to go back. Yeah, and if you ever have yeah, to do anything with like that. one object, you can go into the object manager and then just go down the line. There's like fields and relationships, yeah. and the the um, validation rules are on the same same list. It's just like boom, 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 all for one yeah. type of object, and it's so awesome. The only time I ever go back to classic right now is if I have to um, tr- transfer accounts <laughs> from one user to another. Okay. Because um, it's in that little tool section in, in Classic. 
mm-hmm. um, or to share a custom object, you have to go back into Classic and do it there on the related list. You can't do it in Lightning. To permanently, so, uh, to we, permanently delete um, Fuse Tool, you would have to go back to Classic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the recycle bin. So there is still that dependency. Mm-hmm. There. True. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah there are definitely but some things that you have to go back for. Yeah. It's not a lot. It's get, it gets okay. better with every release. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. No, I, I, I love it. I, w- I was on a I financial also, force call this past week, and, it, and everything they were demoing was enlightening, and it was amazing. You know, I'm right. Because they're not, they're not putting money in the classic. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I would I would also add that uh one thing I missed uh a lot when I switched to Lightning full time was uh the quick access menu on the right side. Um, you know, just getting to click that button and going to the fields of that object or whatever else I want to oh, access. Yes, yes. Um and I find when when I I have oh, a, I a few that colleagues that I've worked with that, you know, aren't as as uh, savvy with Lightning and uh, I feel like people don't know about the gear icon, you know, that it's not just set up, but you can also go directly to the object there or you can edit the page. For example, if uh, you're looking at a Lightning app page and you want to know what the um, actual lay- page layout is that's being used, you can just click on the gear icon, then click on page, then click on the details section, and then it will show you what page layout layout is being previewed. Um, so there's like some tricks like that that kind of just take a while to get used to, but uh, yeah, I can't go back now. Uh, I'm, I've gotten too used to Lightning. Okay. Yeah, whenever yeah, I have no, the chance, yeah. whenever I have the chance, I do, um, because our admins in, uh, in our org still have access to Lightning. So there are times when when there's those orgs where I'm probably just making a change to like maybe feel level security. I'll just maybe stick in lightning and um and do it, but we haven't fully moved it yet, so I'm still waiting on that move. Yeah, it's like even even today, for example, I was on my way to go do a demo and on my way to the demo I realized that I was going to demo in one of our sandboxes that had one change specifically that we hadn't made yet. We have a bunch of sandboxes. And I texted <laughs> Like pretty much our, our lead admin was like, "Hey, real quick, can you add this uh, this component, this uh, related list links, this related links component onto the Lightning app page for this particular object, and can you make sure that it displays this particular related list?" Thanks. And like a minute later, it was like, "Okay, done." And like I logged in, was like, "Hey guys, check out this awesome feature." And they're like, "Whoa, where did that come from?" I'm like, "Yeah, you have no idea. This was done like 20 seconds ago. So this is great." Yeah, Lightning is good. I do from a, from an artist standpoint. I do love the interface. How just it's cool and simplicity uh, of what it brings. It was the first thing that attracted me to um, Salesforce um, in twenty seventeen, like fully. But you know, I've had to like somewhat digress <laughs> for the last year. Just you know, going back to classic, learning that I go to create an object so my custom objects and then I have customized for all my standard standard objects on um in that little drop down. But it was it was getting it was definitely a little getting used to because all the trails I did were in Lightning because they were really pushing heavy. So it was definitely a, a learning curve actually going back into classic. 
Yeah, I, I kind of feel bad for people who have started Salesforce in the past couple of years because you have to kind of, you have to learn both systems. And although there's a lot of similarities, there's a lot of differences too in how you navigate or what features are available in which, uh, you know, user interface and then certainly the setup menu is uh, is different. So, you know, where, I, you know, me and Cheryl and, you know, others, we were able to learn Salesforce Classic. And then, um, you know, I, I particularly was incredibly lucky that uh, when Lightning was first rolled out, like the very first version, I was working um, as a consultant doing um, uh, professional edition quick starts. So I was working for very small companies. Um, some of them had, like, you know, less than 10 employees. And so we were using just uh, you know, leads, accounts, contacts, and opportunities, and um, and like that would be it. That would be the only four objects that they would touch in the entire org. And so it was all standard out of the box. And so the very first version of Lightning worked for them. So I've been using Lightning since its initial release. And so each release it gets better, and I've just learned it as it's grown. Um, so you know, so I kind of. You know, which I feel lucky for because my my learning isn't always the fastest. Um, but uh, but I, I do feel for you guys now that are coming on, and not only do you have all of classic to learn, but all of lightning to learn, and then learning the differences. So um, I'm sure it's it's daunting. I, it's weird for me to think of people who learn on lightning first and then have to transition over to classic, like you're saying, Lyndon, just so they know it. Yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. definitely a learning curve, but I um I was open to it because you know I'm I'm very new to the um ecosystem, the platform, and I I like to take the opportunity to learn something new every day. So just being in being just within that and just you know learning it from I guess the ground up, even though I started building before the foundation, <laughs> which is not a good way to build. So it's it was definitely a good learning curve, and I, I've I've learned a lot over the past year, and I'm still learning, simply because we we use a lot of third party um, a lot of third party um applications too. So it was it was definitely Conga. Um, yeah, <laughs> according to Justice in the chat, I'm going to Conga Connect this year. So <laughs> I guess we'll talk. Absolutely, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, so I guess we'll talk about that <laughs> offline, Justice. <laughs> Yes. Um, okay. Uh, really quick, I didn't want to put this individual on the spot, but uh, Vanessa, um, what what exciting things uh, do you have for us? What, what what can you What are you working on? What do you want to talk about? I'm just gonna put you on the spot. <laughs> no, sure. No, I'm sorry. I've been multitasking. A few months ago, I landed a really nice um, consulting job with one of Salesforce's top implementation partners. But it's been um, it's been a lot of long hours. So I'm just right now working on trying to find that balance. You know what happens when you finally get that job you've been working for so hard, and it's um, you know trying to fit in my friends and not lose them because I'm too busy working or catching up with sleep instead of you know responding back to text messages. Something so small and meaningful to let people know that they matter. But I'm slipping. I mean, here's a great conversation happening with all of you in this campfire, mm-hmm. and I'm testing out user scenarios in my developer org. That's not good. Um, but it's it's about that balance. I mean, have, have 
how, how, how does everyone feel? I mean, do you guys feel you have a good work-life balance? Is this... So I'll, I'll say really quick, so that's really funny you say that, Vanessa, because, well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. But I'm also multitasking right now. I'm, I'm working on a, on a change right now with uh, multiple records that need to be updated on our, on our opportunities object um, um, for a group internally. But anyways, I think, to be very honest with you, and I, I'm curious what everyone's going to say collectively, but I think when you find a job that you're really passionate about, you'll find yourself working beyond the required, quote-unquote, 40 hours. Um, but mm-hmm. to your point, you also do need to find that balance because a lot of us do have, uh, you know, lives. Obviously, we have kids, we're married, we have other commitments. So f- figuring that out for yourself is kind of a balancing act for me. I don't mind working the additional hours and multitasking because I love what I do and I feel everything I'm associated with, I'm building up my skill set, thus providing value to the organization, putting in the extra hours. But, no, I don't feel like, you know, Elon Musk just sent on email recently at 1.30 in the morning to his entire company that they got to do like 100 hours a week. I don't feel like that gun is at my head, right? Um, But I don't know. What does everybody else think? Great question. Yeah, I think that's something that is not often talked about. Um, You know, everyone uh, likes to talk about the amazing things about being involved and working in Salesforce, and there certainly are incredible things. It's an amazing career path. But um, I think there's not often a focus on the actual work that you do just day to day and the, you know, Mm -hmm. amount of responsibility you have for keeping the company running in a lot of cases. And, um, you know, just the, um, yeah, the responsibility, the uh, pressure that you get that comes with that. So, I, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up, Vanessa. I think that's a very valid um, concern and question. Uh, I just started a new job about a month ago, and uh, I'm probably not nearly um, having to commit as much time as you are since, you know, it's not a consultant job. But... Um, you know, it's definitely more rigorous and demanding than my job before that. So I've had to kind of figure out for myself, you know, what that means for me, how how does that work, um, you know, just in my personal life. And uh, because I do have a lot of other things I do outside of work, you know, I'm, I have a lot of interests and hobbies and all of that. So, yeah, I'm, I don't have all the answers by any means, but I just wanted to add that I definitely – have thought about that a lot as well mm-hmm. um, because I do love, you know, working in Salesforce, but at a certain point you have to kind of stop and, and take care of yourself for one, but also take time for your own, you know, projects and, and extracurricular activities and family and friends. And yeah, it's, it's definitely a tough balance to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, one important thing that I've learned is just being able to stand up for yourself and kind of, setting a, um, a break or, you know, setting a, a, a zone that you won't pass, you know, yeah. say like, okay, at 9 p.m. or whatever it is for you, I, I'm not going to do anything after that because, you know, whatever it is, it, it doesn't matter. That's, that's when, you know, it's done for me and I'll go spend time with my family or do something on my own time. I think you just ha- kind of have to set those boundaries. Um, but then on the other hand, you know, that's often not something that the company is okay with. So it's definitely hard to find a balance, but I'm curious what other people will say. Yeah, I, I, I am a consultant. Oh, 
Sorry, I'm Stacy is too. Um, and I think most of our bosses would not want us working really late. Um, they want us to bill our hours and they want us to make our quotas. Um, but, and, and this is like the worst, my, my worst thing that I, I'm just awful at it. But if you bill what you work, <laughs> and if my boss actually listens to this, he's going to laugh <laughs> um, because I'm awful at it. Um, but bill what you work and set your boundaries, just like um, you were saying, uh, you know, tell, don't tell your customers that you're going to have something done tomorrow or in two days. If, if you're not, if you look at your schedule and it's jam-packed, don't kill yourself. Go, I can have that to you, you know, Wednesday, or I'm going to work on this on Thursday. I blocked the day off or I blocked four hours off or whatever, and that is when I'm working on your project. Because you know you have, I mean, probably several different projects that you're working on as a consultant, and, and your customers probably don't realize that. I've had customers that go, oh, my gosh, I hope you're not working on anybody else. And I'm like, oh, let me tell you. I have five or 10 or 14. So, yeah, so they don't know. And so that's why they want, you know, what they want when they want it. And if they knew the load you had, they're people, they know, they get it. They don't want to kill you. So, so yeah, and, and you do have to leave time for your family and other things. And, you know, if you go do something with your family or you go to the park or just take your kids shopping or you know, go get a massage. When you do that kind of stuff, you're like, oh my God, why don't I do this more often? You need to have me time and you need to actually schedule your me time. And if you don't, then you can totally get consumed. So yeah, I totally agree with Benjamin. Yeah, yeah. And I would say along the same lines, like you, you understand that it's going to ebb and flow, right? There's going to be um, you know, busy seasons. And, and you can set boundaries, sure. Uh, and you could say, I'm never working past whatever time o'clock. But if you've got a client <laughs> that is global and they've got a, you know, I, I've received phone calls at, you know, three in the morning from a client, uh, you know, because they've got somebody overseas that has an issue or they just learn, you know, because things happen. And when you've got to go live, that's dependent on, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you got to do the, the weekend hours and the late nights and, you know, so that you, so that you have success and your clients worth that. Right. But don't let that be the forever, you know, it's okay to have, um, you know, a night here or there, a week here and there where you're working hard towards a goal. But once you hit that goal, then, then, you know, back off. And so, um, you know, so mm -hmm. I would say, you know, just take the seasons as they come, but definitely, uh, you know, prioritize and make sure that you're keeping focus on what's important, which is your work, yes, but also your family, your community, your friends, your uh, me time. So, um, so I also do, um, you know, just time management things like Becca was saying, I will schedule time in my, on my calendar to work so that it doesn't get, if I don't block time to actually do work, then it gets clogged up with meetings or I'll get distracted myself. So, um, so I'll schedule work time in there. And, and sometimes I'll schedule in a, you know, a coffee in the mornings, um, whether it's a virtual coffee with a friend or I go out even on my own and just uh, you know, have some, some downtime and check the Trailblazer community and, you know, and, and whatnot um, during that time. So yeah, it's, um, 
it takes a little bit of time for sure, um, you know, to settle into a, a routine and a rhythm, but, you know, you'll find what works for you. And, um, of course, we're all here to, uh, to help with advice. We all have things to share, right? Hey, Justice. Just yes, say, sir. Hey, hey um, I, I was thinking about this because for some reason you hit on this one. Um, I, I kind of think about, Vanessa, to your question, um, if Justice, if I were to ask you right now, if your daughter were employed, what would, what would you want her situation to be like? What things would you want outcome-wise for her to feel and to go through and to, to experience? Yeah, that's a great question, and that's one that I constantly think about just because as she gets older, and both my kids for that matter, I'm constantly trying to see what are they excited about and what brings out their best authentic selves. So ultimately, just as long as she's happy and she feels fulfilled. <laughs> Dude, so when, Vanessa, when you asked the question, no kidding, Justice, those are the exact things that came to my mind. Are you happy? Um, are you, do you feel value in the work that you're providing? Um, only you can answer those questions. And that's, at the end of the day, that's all anyone probably wants for you that, that loves you anyway. And so at, kind of looking at it through that lens, like what would I want the person that I love the most in the world to feel when they're working? You know, I don't want them mm, to feel up. Mm. I don't want them to feel crushed. I don't want them to feel so overwhelmed that they can't, you know, whatever it is. Um, I want them to feel happy. I want them to feel valued um, because that's what they deserve. They're people that we care about. So um, I know that may not be the, Exact answer. We all have, you know, but there's a balance in there, and I think that that's something to consider when when you're asking yourself that question. No, this has yeah. all no, been fantastic point. insight. <laughs> Therapy. <laughs> yeah. You know, one other thing <laughs> I, I did think about while everyone else was talking is, um, I was telling we got a, a new hire um, at, at Shell Black and. Uh, I was telling her when she was having a problem logging time and feeling good about logging time, the actual time that she was working on something, and me being, you know, it's kind of funny to tell her this because I'm so bad at it, but um, I was saying, you know, when you lie about what you, what you worked, if I worked eight hours and I went, oh, well, you know, that really should have only taken a normal person, uh, let's say four hours, so I'm only going to log four hours even though I worked eight, you're belittling what you do. Your customer doesn't know it actually took you eight hours. Your boss doesn't know it took you eight hours, and you're killing yourself working the eight hours and, and, and saying that you did it in four. Um, and she said that she used to work weekends at her last job, and she just would, you know, try to catch up and not tell anybody that she was working extra hours or whatever. And and. You know, I, I think a lot of consultants have a hard time, um, at least new ones, uh, billing what we work and being honest with ourselves and saying, you know, my time is valuable. It really took me this long. It would take anybody this long, and this is how long it took. And, and just being honest, if you, if you aren't, then it's just going to stay the same. You, you have to be the change for yourself, I guess is what I'm saying. I am. I know the pain. I know the chest pain feeling. I, I know feeling overwhelmed, and it's not good. It's not a good place to be in. So yeah, I am probably the worst example. Like, don't be like me. <laughs> when I tell people, like people that I have two hundred and four unread text messages right now. I have five hundred thousand. 
Like I post pictures just because I know it drives people crazy when I look at my phone. Like I have a lot of alerts set up for things that are like super important, but um, I work a lot of hours and sometimes like I'm very into my work and I love what I do. Like I love what I do so, so much that sometimes I've actually forgotten to go home. Like I will literally sit there and work and work and work and work and work and work. Um, and it's because this is what drives me, right? Like, and, um, you know, I'm working at a company that I've always wanted to work for that to me, um, when I look at, um, like maybe like the top three companies in the world that I wanted to work for, this was number one. And this is a company I wanted to work for. So it's like, you know, I really want to do a good job. Like I really care about my users because I care about our customers because I was a customer and I still am a customer for such a long time. And that, you know, it's like sometimes like I, you know, one day I looked up, it was like 1.30 in the morning. I was like, oh, wow, I probably should go home now. I don't know if the subway even runs it out. I just hop in an Uber and go home, right? You know, and I think that, you know, that's not, I don't recommend that for people, but it's like, you know, for me, it's what I enjoy. And I don't, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily unhappy. I would say I'm pretty happy. So I think that work-life balance means different things to different people. And I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, sometimes like if I'm not working all the time and I have too much free time, too much anxiety for me, like I like to work. And I think that's one of the reasons why I ended up getting involved in the community is I, I got, I mean, I've always been involved, but I think I had gotten like hyper, super involved probably about six or seven years ago, maybe more. I've always been involved. I've been involved in the user group program for over a decade, but I would say like super duper involved with running a user, running multiple user groups, writing a blog, doing all these different things. And I think it was because like I didn't have enough to do at my day job. And I just felt like, I need to do all these things to be busy all the time. Like, I don't, I don't like, like when people are like, oh, I just want to relax. That, that's too much anxiety for me. Like, <laughs> you know, and I think everybody is, everybody is very different. And I think that um, people have to keep in mind, you shouldn't feel bad if that's who you are. And I think for a long time, mm-hmm. I would always try to like push myself to have this balance. But when I had the balance, I was like, this sucks. I want to go back to work. Like, you know what I mean? And like, and I think people are like, you're nuts. But I was like, I really like what I do. Like, this is what I like doing. And this is like, this is my, almost like my work is like my hobby. Like I'm paid to get to do what I really love, which is solve really complicated problems using Salesforce, right? So. No, that resonated a lot with me. I do have a tendency to, over-volunteer because I'm like, oh, that sounds like a fun project. And then, boom, it's 2 a.m. But, no, this is all great insight. It's, um, wow, tell me where I need to send this therapy bill. It's, it's, it's been very refreshing. It's all service provided here at the virtual campfire. That's what we do. Therapy, community, inspiration, we got it all. So this has actually been a really great um, episode. I'm so glad you guys were able to come back uh, multiple times, uh, dealing with all the technical difficulties. um, And I, I think it was worth it to get to have this conversation together. I mean, we had everything from, you know, fighting bullying to um, flying monkeys. And so, you know, what more can you ask for out of a podcast episode? Um, You know, and so thank you all to everybody here on the call for being part of our first year. 
uh, doing this episode, uh, this podcast. And of course, to all the people who are listening, uh, thank you guys for being part of our story and our journey. Um, Justice and I are both so appreciative of all of you. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Oh, thanks for having us. Yes, thank yeah. you. Thank you for having us. Great conversation. Yeah. It was really, really fun to be back here. And I love this podcast. I tell everybody to listen to it. So maybe if everybody shares this episode on their LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, on the Trouble the Community, et cetera, et cetera, maybe you'll double your view count. Never know. Right. That's an awesome goal. All right. So you can find us on Twitter at SF Campfire um, is our handle or on iTunes um, Campfire Stories. So thanks, you guys. That's a wrap for year one. Thank you.